Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. If you will, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, if you've been around here for any amount of time and you've been around here for the month of July, you'll know that I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 1 on this, this first uh, week of our Sabbath series. And I'm going to be reading this morning out of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. So if you'll just hold those spots, I'll be there in just a moment. So today we begin this new Sabbath series for the month of July called Rest in Peace. Will you say rest in peace? Rest in peace. peace. I believe that this topic is a mandate for our church. And and I'm happy that that there have been some other pastors and other churches that have begun jumping on board with this. And and we have become a model for, for some other churches And this year, more than ever, I have been bombarded with phone calls, emails, and even face-to-face conversations with other pastors. There's even other churches in our community that are starting this year, starting to participate in a month of Sabbath. And I believe that because we are willing to annually evaluate our personal lives and how they line up with the Sabbath that God has restored mindsets in this church. I believe God has restored marriages in this church because of a month of Sabbath. I believe that he has healed us emotionally, physically, and spiritually all through these moments like this in a month of Sabbath. And so if you are emotionally exhausted, if you are physically fatigued, or you are spiritually spent, then this series is for you. Can anybody say amen? That's where you're at. I don't know about you, but I am physically fatigued, I am spiritually spent, and I am emotionally exhausted. I need this for my life. And God has called you to have a peace of mind before you give someone a piece of your mind. God has called us as children of God to have a peace of mind. We are to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of us that prepares us for every problem we're going to face, for every difficulty that we're going to face. It is important for us as children of God to have a peace of mind. In 1793, France created the French Republican calendar. It was also known as the French Revolutionary calendar, although it would prove not to be very revolutionary. It was an effort to remove all Christian and religious influence from their calendars. And a major component of this modified calendar was that they were changing the seven-day work week to a 10-day work week. Somebody say, oh no. Man, that would be rough. What they, they didn't consider was adjusting the corresponding days off. And so people were expected to work nine days in a row before they would have one day off. Nine days working, one day off. And this new calendar, to my surprise, it lasted 12 years before they realized how much of a failure that it was. People were burned out. They, they actually figured out that production was, was decreasing and suicide rates were increasing. And, and it turns out that humans are not made to work nine days a week and rest one day. In God's divine wisdom, God ordained the work six days, rest one day week as more than just a, a way to make it work on the calendar. The seven-day rhythm is sacred to mankind, or at least it should be, because it's sacred to God. 
And it doesn't matter what St. John or Sir Paul said. There's no such thing as eight days a week and all the Beatles fans in the room will understand what I'm talking about. Mankind is not the author of the seven-day week. We like to, to take credit for it, but this is not something that we created. We did not invent the seven-day week. Some historians credit the Babylonians with creating the seven-day week. Some say that the Romans created the seven-day week. But we don't get credit for this work of genius. It is a reflection of God's brilliance. You see, on the first day, God created light. And he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And then on the second day, uh, the Bible says that, that, that he separated the waters above from the waters below, thus giving us the atmosphere that is around our planet. On the third day, the Bible says that God pulled back the waters, revealing dry land, and he created vegetation, and he created plants. On the fourth day, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars of the universe. And then on the fifth day, God created the animals of the sea, and he created the birds in the air. But then on the sixth day, God created the land-dwelling animals that would crawl across this, this planet. And, and then he created his masterpiece. Mankind in his image. God created mankind in his image. Don't miss this. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Church, the greatest honor that we could carry is being created in the image of the creator. What an honor that is. Think about how great that is for our lives, that we are created in His image. I, I have had the privilege. Most of this is through ministry. A few may be vacation points, but I have had the privilege to see some amazing sights across this planet. I have stood at Pikes Peak in Colorado, and I have looked across the majesty of the Rocky Mountains. I have swam the coral gardens of Little Cayman, and, and I viewed the 5,000 feet drop off in the ocean floor. It just drops off at Bloody Bay Wall. I have stood on the bluest of blue shores of the Mediterranean Sea. I have looked down into a volcano in Ecuador. I have hiked through the tropical rainforest in Peru, listening to the rushing waters of the Amazon. And at that, at that place, it's over a mile wide. It was amazing. I have stood on the south rim of the Grand Canyon and witnessed the breathtaking landscape. I have awakened to the fog burning off of the great Smoky Mountains. I have experienced the beauty and the peace of the Sea of Galilee. And I've been to the lowest place on earth, and I will never go to the highest place on earth. But I've seen pictures of it, and it's there. But when it came to creation, God did not create a mountain to look like him. There's no Mount Rushmore of God. When it came to creation, he did not create an ocean that resembles him. When it came to creation, he did not create a sea creature, a bird, or a land-dwelling animal with his characteristics. But when he made man, he made us in his image. 
What an honor. What a privilege it is to be made in the image of our Creator. We look like our Creator. I'll look at somebody and say, you look divine. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> we are created to look like our Creator. We have His eyes. We walk like Him. We talk like Him. Oh, that's been my prayer. God, once again, let me return to see things the way that you see things. God, let me walk as you walk. Let me speak as you speak. We have His Spirit. We have His breath in us right now. In this moment. Have you ever thought about that? The very breath that you are about to breathe in is an exhale from the creator God that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. When he breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam, it gave humanity breath. And you and I, we are still breathing that breath. Job 33 and 4, Job says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It was around 1900 years after creation, Job recognizes that the breath that he breathes is the very breath of God. 1900 years later, God, I'm still breathing the oxygen that you put inside of me. Without the breath of God, there is no human life. And just as I gave my children life, even more so, God gave you life. God gave me life. You know, when my children were born, I had a choice to make. I could be a sorry, non-existent father, or I could be a very present father in their lives, and, and I could teach them how to live life. I could teach them the ways of life. Their success rested in my ability to show them how to live as responsible, law-abiding, God-fearing citizens. And we know this, that God did the very same thing with humanity. We call this Emmanuel. God with us. God became flesh. Jesus Christ became the example for us to follow in order for us to live our lives as a success. Follow in his footsteps. Live as Jesus lived. But 4,000 years before Christ, the creator showed us by example how to live a successful life. Day one, wake up and work. Day two, wake up and work. Day three, wake up and work. Day four, wake up and work. Day five, wake up and work. Day six, wake up and work. Day seven, rest from work. God gave us this example rest rest i got to thinking about it this week god didn't need six days to create god didn't even need a day god just needed a second all he needed was a word and it just that word being spoken just one word just being said just one word 
Everything could have fell right into place. Everything created, everything was done. Why would a being so powerful, why would the creator of the universe choose to take six days to create? Is because he wanted to give us the example of how to live our lives. You will work six days and you will rest one day. You will work six days and you will rest one day. Genesis chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3, he says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. No doubt there's people in this room that there are people here that they don't believe that they deserve rest. Some of you, you don't believe that you deserve rest, that you haven't earned rest, or that you don't have time to rest. I, I meet these people all the time, and, and I can sit there in my office through counseling, and I can preach to them and preach to them all I want to, but until they recognize the need for rest in their lives, they will continue in that same cycle of being burnt out day after day after day. You get a sudden burst of adrenaline, but adrenaline will only last you for so long. It's not the way that God created us. And it's so interesting to me that God invited humanity, get this, to rest first and then to work. Most people are confused as to where Sabbath belongs on their calendar. Maybe you're one of those people that you go down to Office Depot and, and you buy a calendar. Maybe you're one of those few people on the planet that still buy a paper calendar have, did you notice that, that uh, a decade or so ago they started changing those calendars and some of them actually start with, with Monday now? Have you ever noticed that? Many look at today, Sunday, or whatever day you choose to Shabbat, whatever day you choose as Sabbath. Many people look at this day as the end of their week. Maybe you consider this to be the end of your weekend. And a new week begins tomorrow on Monday when you have to go back to work. It's not the way God designed it for you. The Sabbath was the seventh day for God. It was the end of his work week. But on the sixth day, God created man and then he rested. And so Sabbath was the first full day for man. The first full day that he had to experience the first full day for Adam to be alive, God said, we rest first. No work. You will begin this life resting. This shows me that before I can even catch my first breath, God has already worked it out for me. Before I can ever put my hand to the plow, God has already completed what he wants to do. I just have yet to see it in my life. God has already worked it all out for me. He has plans for me to prosper me. He has plans for me to give me that hope and a future. God has those plans and he's already worked all of that out before I ever took my first breath. But man's first day alive was spent resting with God, not working. Adam didn't have to earn it. Adam didn't deserve it. Adam didn't have to figure out a way to squeeze Sabbath in. He wasn't too busy for it. It was his first experience. But God always invites us to rest first and work later. Before we were born, 
God gave us nine months of rest in the womb. Before we begin studying and working towards an education, a diploma, or a degree, we get a few years of rest just being children. Oh, to go back to those days. Amen? And before we begin six days of labor, God invites us to a day of rest. I want you to change your mindset, church. This is not the end of your week. This is Sunday. This is the day we choose as Sabbath. You are starting your day in the house of God. Starting your week in the house of God. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You didn't have to make time for it. It just came before anything else. God has created a day for you to rest before you do anything else. And on the Sabbath, the things that we get to rest from are what we really need a rest from. We, we need a break from these things. And so think about this moment right now that you have. Hearing God's word, worshiping God, lifting your voice, clapping your hands, raising your hands, however you choose to worship God. In this moment, if you fully engage in this moment, then you get to rest from all of the worries. At, at least for this, this hour, hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half, however long this service goes. If you don't start amen in me, I will go a lot longer. But I'm just saying, on this Sabbath, we get to rest from our worries, rest from our struggles, and rest from our concerns. You're only saying that because I threatened you. On the Sabbath, we get to trade our troubles for peace. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14 and 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. I love that, what he said there. He said, my peace I give to you. We have the opportunity to lean on his peace. Just early this morning, I was, I was reading on, a, on an MBA website, and I was, I was reading about this one particular player that made his debut last night in an NBA summer league game, and, and I, I followed this player through college, although I didn't like him in college because he, he played for Tennessee. Yeah, I knew that was coming. He played for Tennessee, and he gave my Florida Gators a fit. We actually had the opportunity to go up to Tennessee, and uh, we picked Kendall up on the way, and Caleb got his tickets, and we were, we were there in, in, that, in that arena there in Knoxville. And this guy just, he manhandled us. But I had great respect for him. Grant Williams is his name, and, and wouldn't you know it that my favorite NBA team, the Boston Celtics, they drafted him. And I was actually glad that they did because I watched how much of a fit he gave the Gators, and I'm like, yes. Finally, he's on my side. And I was reading this article early this morning about, about Grant Williams and, and his debut last night in the NBA Summer League. And the thing that stood out to me the most out of everything that the commentator was writing about it was this. He said, he said that Grant Williams was cool under pressure. He didn't put up the greatest of numbers, but they said he just looked mature out on the court. When they would feed him the ball in the low post and they would double team, 
He wouldn't panic. He would look for the open man. When he would grab the rebound, he wouldn't turn the ball over or dribble it off his foot, as most rookies would, at least once during a game like that. No, he would, he would settle down, and he would find his point guard to dish the ball to for him to take it down the court. Or maybe if, if they had him guarded, that he, he would take a couple of dribbles until he could find one of the wings to hit. The article just really focused on how cool and calm Grant Williams was. I wish that I could say the same thing about me when I hit life's trials. I have come to, to learn that it is through Shabbat, through moments just like this, hearing God's word and praising God together, that it's moments like this that I learn to rely on God's peace. Jesus said, my peace, I leave with you. My peace. There's not a greater peace than having the peace of Jesus Christ. That he, he gives this peace to us. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And think about the peace of Christ. Think, think about that. When they were running out of wine at the, at the wedding in Cana, he didn't freak out. Other people were freaking out, but his mama knew who could turn water into wine. Jesus didn't freak out. He just obeyed his mama and turned water into wine. Cool, calm, collected. He didn't freak out. Think about it. When, when, when the storm is raging around the boat and Jesus is asleep, the disciples wake him up and he steps to the bow of the boat and he speaks to the storm peace be still didn't panic peace be still and the storm calms and he's staring blinded eyes staring at blinded eyes and and, and he commands them to open just just calm peaceful be open blinded eyes peace that doesn't panic when someone is crippled he just heals them. When a widow is, is leaving the city of Nain through the gates and, and her party is passing his party, the funeral processional is, is passing Jesus and his disciples walking in, he doesn't panic, but he raises the boy from the dead. Peace. When his friend Lazarus is dead, he didn't panic, he wept. And in that quiet sorrow, he still speaks. Lazarus come forth, and he comes forth out of that tomb. Peace that looks death in the face and says, in three days, I'll be back. Amen. That's the peace that I want for my life. And Jesus says, my peace, I give it to you. It's yours. Sabbath is that moment that I'm reminded of that. Sabbath is that moment that it doesn't matter what sickness we're facing, it's here in this moment that we get to be reminded that we serve a healer. Sabbath is that reminder and it brings peace to us that, that no matter what financial circumstances may look like, our God shall meet and supply all of our needs. Amen? Peace. Peace is when you walk into a church service on Sabbath and your marriage is falling apart, but it's here in this moment that you find hope and healing. 
Because he said, my peace, I give it to you. You see, Sabbath is as much a mindset, even more so than it is a day. Sabbath is saying, God, I trust you. I trust the peace that you give to me. And we should all learn to trust God first and work second. My favorite restaurant, many of you know this, is Texas de Brazil. I love Texas de Brazil where you can get all of these different cuts of meat. And um, this is not going to go over very well in, in second service, I can already tell you. Right now, some of you are starting to look forward to lunch, but second service, they're really looking forward to lunch. But when I go to Texas de Brazil, they've got this little card, and if you, if you leave it on the green side, they keep bringing cuts of meat. And they just stop by. It's just all you can eat. They'll just bring them by and shave them off onto your plate. If you flip it over red, it means I'm done. Put the brakes on. I'll bring me my check. I'm, I'm out of here. I never turn it over. I just keep it on green. And just, I would rather them ask. Herb marinated pork loin. Garlic pecana. Mm -hmm. Brazilian sausage. Parmesan crusted chicken, leg of lamb, flank steak. Oh, that's my favorite. Filet mignon, bacon wrapped filet mignon, Amen. and so much more. <laughs> you just want me to go ahead and pray over your lunch right now? <laughs> One of the unique things about this restaurant is that they will bring out, before you ever start eating, they will bring out to the table, they'll bring a, a side of mashed potatoes. And, and there's a bar where you can go and fix your salad, and they have a few sides up there. They'll bring mashed potatoes to the, to the table. And then they, they will also bring these sweet fried bananas, and, and they're, they're cooked in, in cinnamon sugar. They're meant to cleanse your palate. That in between cuts of meat, you're supposed to eat some of this to cleanse your palate and, and then, you know, you, you can enjoy the taste of the next cut of meat that you get. I just enjoy them. They're just good. And I, I, I go there as much for the sweet bananas as I do anything else because I'm telling you, they are a, amazing, absolutely amazing. It, it's kind of like um, similar from when you're shopping for cologne or per perfume, or at least so I've been told, um, at least I've been told about this. Um, on the counter, they will offer a bowl of coffee beans so that when you smell one perfume or, or cologne, you can smell the coffee beans and it, it cleanses your palate. Therefore, the residual smell doesn't stay in your nostrils and you can really get a, an idea of what the, the new scent smells like. Sabbath is that day that is set aside to reset your experiences. How many of you had a week full of experiences? I mean experiences that you don't, you don't even want to talk about. Nobody will believe what your children put you through this week. <laughs> Nobody will believe what your boss said to you. Nobody will believe what your spouse said to you. Nobody will believe what the enemy said to you. But Sabbath, it's those sweet bananas. It's that bowl of coffee beans. Sabbath resets our palate for life. 
It's here in this moment that we get to reset. And after six days of life, I need a reset. Whether I'm winning or losing, I need a reset. Whether I'm, I'm struggling or succeeding, I need a reset. Whether I'm advancing or retreating, I need a reset. I need a reset. The pastor of your church, I need a reset. After six days of life's struggles, I need Sabbath more than anyone else in this room. I need that cleansing. I need that mental shift that says, my God is greater than the problems. I need that reminding. I, I need God to invite me into this moment to this Sabbath to reset me so that I can realize that it is in Him that I move, that I live, and that I have my being. You need this moment to be reminded that it is in Him that you live and you move and you have your being. And nothing else gives you that moment to reset like Sabbath and God designed it like clockwork. Every week, I want you to realize who I am in your life. And it's here in this moment that I realize that every failure is not final. It's here on this Sabbath that I realize that every delay is not denial. It is here in His presence that I realize that peace of mind is so much better than pieces of me. And if you don't figure this out, you're going to reach a place in your life where you're going to be shattered into pieces. You must learn to rest in peace or you will rest in pieces. There will be a piece of you at work that you'll never be able to get back. There will be a piece of you that left when your ex-husband left or your ex-wife left. There will be a piece of you with the next wife or the next husband. There will be a piece of you that is living every other weekend with the step-parent if you don't figure out how to find that peace of mind. But when we learn to rest in peace, we learn to rise in glory. Rest in peace, rise in glory. And all this month, we're going to see how God does his best work on the Sabbath. Is God limited to the Sabbath? No. Does God show up on the Sabbath? Absolutely. And when you set aside time to Shabbat, God looks at it and says, that is a life that I want to bless. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.